Welcome to Rage You Nerds, and we are Chris Cagle, Jared Cagle. We're the Super Cagle Bros, and tonight's a twofer show, so you're getting two of us. Uh, TJ has the night off, but if you're an avid watcher of Rage You Nerds content, you saw TJ on Monday, anyways. You know, and that's about all that I can deal with him too is one night a week. So <laughs> that's fair. Everyone uh, he's, knows their he's, he's 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 probably watching in spirit right now as he uh you know well, maybe he's not anyway <laughs> yeah yeah whatever. I wish you hadn't said that because you ruined the streak of me making up a, a reason why TJ couldn't be here on Friday nights uh, Vietnam related usually so usually yeah well I'm sure our potential listener in Vietnam is excited that we're no longer exploiting <laughs> their country for a cheap joke for cheap jokes. Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, Rage You Nerds, I am Mr. Cack, that's Jared. We're the nerds here on Friday. Uh, and what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about a couple different things. Uh, and some of those things are going to be fun and lighthearted. Some of those things are going to be, what are you talking about? And some of those things might upset you. All right, so we have a lot of Batman this week. Yeah. But Robert Pattinson has recently come out and given his interpretation for Batman's no-kill rule. And at first, I was like, you know what, this, you know, whatever, who cares? Like, he just doesn't kill. Like, I mean, whatever, his parents were killed, he doesn't want to be a villain, blah, 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 blah. But Robert did throw out some interesting, you know, idea out there that I hadn't really thought of. Uh, so let's, let's, so let's run with that. So okay. he says, there is this rule with Batman, he must not kill. It can be interpreted in two ways. Either he only wants to inflict the appropriate punishment, or he wants to kill and has self-control prevents him from doing so. I imagined it that the way from the rehearsal of this first fight, I thought it was funnier. Something in him just wants to slit the guy's throat. That's hilarious, Robert. <laughs> uh, I told myself, <laughs> I told myself that um, if he spends his nights chasing criminals, it is impossible that he does not take pleasure in it. He suffers, and it is a desire that overwhelms him. And by dint of knocking, his mind clears, he calms down, he reaches a state close to plenitude. Uh, I'm sure in this first fight, he manages to convince himself that every guy in front of him is the one who killed his mother, laughs, <laughs> and so that allows him to vent his rage. So, essentially, and you know, it's a take that I don't necessarily associate with Batman, which is, you know, a, a nice academic approach of dissecting uh, and making a more complex character than than is already there of the fact that batman enjoys the violence or there's a drive to sa to satiate the rage within him and that's why he beats the ever-loving crap out of people and it's the whole so it's the sole reason that he's motivated to dress up and, and go and inflict punishment it's because he wants people to hurt because he hurts it's not like a super complex idea but I never really thought of Batman as, despite all his rage, he's still just Bruce Wayne in a cage. Like, you know? <laughs> well, and you know that's actually quite brilliant um, because I've I've never really thought about it from this point of view before. Like, <clears throat> and which okay, so the '60s Batman Batman didn't really help us out with you know uh, <laughs> Adam West and the, partially because it was so campy and you couldn't take anything seriously in it. Um, it was just a fun thing, but like you know. The original DC Comics, he's always been a crime fighter. Bruce Wayne has always been the cover. It's been pretty nonchalant. They never really, again, originally, never really dove into it. I think as we get more complex as a society, we want more answers. And it can't just be about, 
well, a villain killed my parents, so now I want to punish villains and I work for justice, you know, equal treatment under the law. So, <clears throat> but if we're going to psychologically break it down, and I'm not a psychologist, but I think he makes an excellent point. Because if we're, lo- let, let's take, um, let's look into the minds of some vigilantes here. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, what I'm going to say right now, Google it. Because um, I'm not going to give an explanation. We're just going to roll. Um, so vigilantes and serial killers. Okay. So I think we can all agree that serial killers have some sort of passion for what they do. That's morbid. I get that. But if they didn't like it, they wouldn't do it to some degree. If they didn't like it, some maybe feel like they have to do it because, and let's face it, all of them are kind of, you know, but then let's go to like vigilante kind of things. You ever read vigilante stories in the news? And I'll give you a good example. Everybody. And if you don't, like I said, Google this knows about the killdozer. This is a law-abiding citizen man who was pushed to his breaking point, so he, he welded a bunch of iron plates to a bulldozer and bulldozed the town and the building that fired him. Um, so, huh, you know, uh, was he wrong for that? Obviously, we can all say that was probably a little more further than I would take in it, but it really kind of, if you if you look at the mindset of someone who is kind of pushed to their breaking point, I feel like Batman could play that role. He's a person that it's like he's pushed to his breaking point, but he kind of knows his bounds, but he kind of enjoys it just a little bit because, like he said, he sees every villain as the person who killed his parents. I think that is a great psychological take. It's one I don't think we've ever thought about before, or at least I don't remember ever discussing it. But I think that's quite brilliant. And even though we're thinking about it now, this could add to the future storylines for Batman stuff. You could you could always bring a different psychological kind of thing in there. Maybe Batman is nuts and Bruce Wayne is his cover for nuts, you know? Um, but no, I, I think that's really interesting. And I kind of, I kind of like it. Well, I mean, Joker always tries to convince us that Bruce is no more, or Batman is no more different than he is, which I mean is, yeah. I mean, essentially, yes. Uh, both of them have a freedom to just do whatever they want. And it's very questionable, the morality of what they're doing. It's gotten tougher, I think, now because there's been so many iterations of Batman. It's hard to separate the fact that he is a superhero. It's Batman. He's going to save the day. And the reality of if that was a real person, you'd probably be siding with the cops of like, hey, we need to bring that, you know, that crackpot in. There's some dude (laughs) dressed as a bat beating up people like, yeah. Yeah, like you could see, you could see. I mean, I feel like the Daily Show used to do this, where you could just go through the rundown of people, like, well, you know, uh, he did beat, or like a South Park thing where they're interviewing the townsfolk, like, (laughs) he did beat up people, but the people were bad. (laughs) Like, I agree, he should beat up bad people, but if he beats up good people, like, so I mean, like, it is, it's this very sticky thing, and it's a thing that doesn't get, it used to get explored, right? Like. The big thing in um, Michael Keaton's Batman and and the start of the Christian Bell Batmans was this notion that they have to get Batman. There was a police force on it, or someone was a detective was yeah. assigned to it. You had to bring in Batman because reality is this: no matter who he is targeting, his actions are technically criminal. Exactly. Yeah. And and he should be brought to justice. And sure. within our grand system. Justice should be through the people that have been assigned to help bring peace in the situation, the peace officers. Now, because we all know Gotham is a cesspool of of crooked cops, uh, the underworld bought out half the precinct in the mayor's office, we forget that the cops aren't just these useless, you know, bags of garbage in it. 
and 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 it's easy to just be like, well, Batman has to do what Batman does because only Jim Gordon's on his side. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but you know, maybe that's not how all of Gotham is. Not every cop is uh, like that. But I mean, we get so many instances of. All right, that's a good cop. Wait, he just received a bag right. of money. He's a bad cop. Yeah. Wait, wait, he just gave over someone to the Joker. She's a bad cop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well <clears throat> Carmine Falcone is involved. He's, he's a bad cop. Um, but yeah, I think it is interesting to give layers to it and to remind us that we should not just immediately glorify Batman. I mean, the Dark Knight, it, it tells you there at the end, like, hey, Realistically, what we need and what we want are different things. What we or what we need right now is a guy dressed in black beating the crap out of people and chasing down a clown. What we wanted <laughs> and what would be best for us was a district attorney, an actual person going through the system and making change. Because how much changes get brought in? Like, there's also uh, Peacemaker brings it up, like you know how much justice is and what Batman does if if all he's doing is beating up people, putting them in prison, and letting them escape again to come out and do the same heinous crap all over again yeah you know hey it's all philosophical it creates an interesting thing for people to write papers about uh in some yeah. some young adult literature class out there getting an this english would have been a college course uh, it probably is now man there's so many weird college courses out there this probably is a college course now but i'm excited you know i'm interested i'm excited to see robert pattinson uh his bruce wayne is very his bruce wayne doesn't really give me any thrill but I'm excited to see what his Batman looks like. His Bruce Wayne looks pretty malnourished. I don't yeah, know. If, I, don't know I don't know if they're going to explain that at all. Like we just didn't feed Bruce. Just, Bruce, for, Bruce stopped eating. For being a fat cat as he was, he just didn't eat. Which they they have said that they're not going to do the whole Batman backstory. They're not going to play out the scene uh, of Martha and Thomas dying again. Well, which, that'll be the first. Which yes, it is going to be the first actually, um, and it is. Something established by Spider-Man Homecoming. Marvel decided, listen, everyone knows the story. We're not showing you Uncle yeah. Ben dying again. Here's Spider-Man. <laughs> like, just, just go with it. Like, we, <laughs> we know the story. If not, guess what? Wikipedia exists. People can go find. Why is this man living with his butler by himself? Like, where could his parents be? <laughs> well, you know what I like about this too is like, so um, Michael Keaton's version. Uh, well, pretty much every other version of Batman, with the exception of Christian Bale, has always been, I don't want to say an older guy, because I guess shoot at the time, 1989, Michael Keaton was probably the same age as Christian Bale. I think it was just the 80s that made like something yeah. about the suits. Yeah, just that something made about the clothing older. choices and the uh, hairstyle. Yeah. <clears throat> clothing, yeah, exactly. The, the permed um, hair did not help. But like Pattinson is probably going to be the youngest looking Batman, yeah. if that makes sense. And I think... I think this is going to like, so, you know, in Dark Knight and whatnot, well, you never really get to see what happens in um, the Michael Keaton series. You know, you know, the, you know, the parents were killed and then you just assume that he lives with Alfred forever and takes over the family business, et cetera, et cetera. Christian Bale's version, obviously he goes more true to the comic book, uh, goes off to that. See place the world, at. find himself, see the world, find himself, gets in a prison in China somewhere, uh, the, the guy from Taken comes and rescues him, and he gets uh, taken he, by the guy from he Taken. Sets, he gets taken from the he gets taken by the guy from Taken, and then he burns down his house as a thank you. I'd been <laughs> mad too, um, but like it, like, the, and I love Batman Begins, but like there was so much there where it kind of showed, hey, this is what I've been doing. He comes home, hey, we all thought you were dead, and but I feel like this is going to be like the uh, kind of a younger Batman with Alfred, kind of like not shortly after his parents passed, but like. You know, like within 10 years or so, you know, like because Bruce was 
I don't know, I could see him 20, 24 years old or something like that. He just, and maybe it's his hair too. He just looks younger. But I think that's something, that's a take on Batman that we haven't got to see, is a sort of younger Batman, you know. Um, you all know the stories about what happened here. He went over to Asia and he learned from Raja Gould. And uh, depending on which <laughs> name you want to choose on that, I've heard it pronounced 17 different ways. But um, I think this is an interesting take if they go that route where he's kind of younger and like a, a lot more filled with rage, um, but still under control. So I just, I, it's, it's a Batman movie. I'm ready to watch it. I'm probably going to like it provided they don't massively screw it up. This is going to be like Ghostbusters Afterlife. All you got to do is not screw this up and I'm going to like it. Yeah. And it's kind of hard. I think it's going to be kind of hard for them to screw it up. Yeah. Unless like just in the middle of it, there's just like a solid hour uh, of Bruce, song and dance routine of Bruce just like sitting on the pot. He's just like yeah. just like texting, <clears throat> texting people, <laughs> scrolling TikTok yeah, while on the dude, toilet. <laughs> he's trying to do TikTok trends for for an hour and then, and then laughing, then laughing like <laughs> like a bat, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. So I was, I was trying to read who did this. Um, okay, so this is well, who did this uh, for many fans. Blah 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 blah. Blah blah blah. Especially with it. here's every Bond official fran- actor in the official franchise and how they rank. So I don't know who made this rank. Uh, it came from Movie Web. It was punished by Kenneth Bieber. Um, but this is a Brother ranking. Of Justin Bieber. Yeah, this is a ranking of every actor James Bond. Every actor of James Bond, their James Bond ranking. So from from six to one, uh, from the from the bottom to the top. Timothy Dalton, number six. George oh. Lazenby, number five. Roger Moore, number four. <laughs> Clever girl. Uh, number three, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. Uh, number two, Sean Connery. And number one, Daniel Craig. Again, I'm not entirely sure what all metrics they used. Um, the Ultimate Mission rank each of the actors. Okay, so we've decided to take the Ultimate Mission and rank each actor who has taken the mantle of Double Seven. There's bound to be agreement and disagreement here, but for fans of the franchise, this conversation is one that seems ever-evolving. Uh, so, yeah, they don't really say. They just say this is their preference and how they yeah. ranked it. Yeah, so totally biased. <laughs> Timothy but, Dalton. So let, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. And I love uh-huh. Timothy Dalton, but he's definitely six out of six. Okay, that's fair. Um, the And then I, I'm going to be honest. I did not even remember. Uh, Actually, we could do this. Let's, let's, do, let's do this. Let me, uh, let me drop this cover. There we go. Now people can see it too. So oh, Timothy Dalton. So Timothy Dalton at number six. Uh, you say that you agree with that. That's fair. Out of the list, yes. Out of the list. Now we scroll down to number five, and I'm going to be honest. This guy could probably take number six because I don't even remember him. They didn't even um, use an actual person shot of him. This is like some weird airbrush painting of him. <laughs> they found they found a Polaroid of him from 19. Well, there's a Huey in the background, so we got at least from 65 to somewhere. Poor um, George Lazenby. Like, they didn't even give him an actual human photo. I like this. I like this. Admittedly, admittingly, Lazenby was not a professional actor, and there are moments where it shows. So you know what I say? Flip that. Give Lazenby number six. We're yeah. Gonna move. How We're gonna... how are you putting Timothy Dalton below an Australian model and stunt double who had a one off role? That's fair. That's fair. That's how fair. are That's you fair. doing that? Who? I changed my mind. Okay. Nah, no, this is this isn't to you. This is to Kenneth Bieber. Oh yeah, Kenneth, Kenneth Justin Bieber. Bieber. Well, Justin Bieber's brother. What do you want? 
Okay, so All number right. four, Roger Moore, and still that makes me laugh to say. Um, okay. <laughs> Roger Moore. Number four, Roger Moore. <laughs> we could talk about that for a while. Okay, so here's the biggest problem here. Four, three, two, and one. I feel like, depending on how you feel about James Bond, those four could go either way. Roger Moore at number four, <clears throat> I'm actually going to, I, I'm, and I know I'm in the minority on this. I know I'm in the minority on this. I would, of the four remaining, I would put Roger Moore as number one. I really so would. I don't think you're that far off. I think back when um, myself, Wilson, and Reno had a James Bond discussion, I think Wilson was actually pushing Roger Moore up at the top. I want to say our friend Kyle Eveld, uh, Eveld also happens to be a big fan of Roger Moore uh, as as a James Bond. Yeah, um, and I just maybe <clears throat> maybe it's because. Maybe it's because he's he was there the longest, I think, because I think he was the longest tenured James Bond. If I'm not mistaken, I might be, and I didn't Google it, so if I'm wrong, then I admit that I'm wrong. But I, I mean, the only one that could really challenge him, I think, would be Daniel Craig at this would point. Be Daniel Craig, yeah. <clears throat> um, well, well, eh, no, Pierce didn't. Pierce did four. Did he do four movies or three? I don't know, but but Anyways. Moore went from 1973 to 1985 in his run. Okay, so there you go. He's like the he's like the Tom Baker. He's what Tom Baker is to Doctor Who is what 007 is to 007. Um, so moving up, go oh to gosh. number three, so, Pierce. So he, so he did A View to Kill, Octopussy, yeah. Spy Who Loved Me, For Your Eyes Only, Live and Let Die. All of the best ones. Man, he did a lot. All of the best ones. All of the best ones. Those are the ones you remember. And uh, up next would be uh, Dalton and Connery, of course. So, <clears throat> but number four, Roger Moore. I would give Roger Moore number one on this. So that means who is two, three, and four? Pierce Brosnan, number three. Pierce Brosnan, number three. I think, I don't know. This one is tough for me because I could see, I could see, there's so many generational gaps that come into play here for Bond at the time. Because we've always kind of made the joke, Bond, Doctor Who, same guy. You know, 007 is not a man. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a name. And when that person dies, they pick another 007. You know, it's Her Majesty's Secret Service and old. Um, MI6. That was a horrible British accent. Anyways, I could see uh, Brosnan being, I could see him staying at three, but I actually, and this is, oh boy, this is blasphemy. This is blasphemy. I could see him jumping Sean Connery. Oh, and And really? going, yes. I could see him jumping Sean Connery and taking up the number one or number two spot. <clears throat> and we'll go ahead and scroll up next. Sean Connery at number two. I would flip that. I would flip that right there. And I would put Brosnan at three, Connery at, or Brosnan at two, Connery at three. And the only reason why is, and I, I mean, and come on, Sean did Goldfinger from Russia with Love, Dr. No. But Thunderball. Felt, Thunderball. I felt like Pierce Brosnan's movies were more exciting. And I know Bond doesn't have to be exciting. It's all psychological. But like with Roger Moore, like I enjoyed everything. With Sean Connery, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of a lot of this. There's a lot of this going on. Hmm. Um, with Pierce Brosnan and his version, there's not as much of that. Yes, you still have the quick-witted humor and James Bond. But um, this is so hard. But I would... I. I would I would have him jump Connery. I would. I would. And then where would you put old Daniel Craig? Daniel Craig is number one. And I and and I know that's new age and that's probably gonna make a lot of people mad. <clears throat> but when you break down the character of James Bond, and again, maybe this is a um generational thing. 
But like, I feel like my idea of James Bond, he relates more to it than all of the rest combined. He just plays that role kind of, you know, yes, he loves the ladies. Yes, he will shoot you. But his like, he has a coldness that the others don't have. His his charm, his charm is a lot lower than the rest of them, but his coldness is a lot higher. It's almost like, um, not the Punisher. Uh, well, no, okay, the Punisher. It's almost like the Punisher. He's got a job to do. He's still a person, but the job takes priority, even though he still may have some feelings and act outside of those when it's in the best interest. There, You don't get a whole lot with the rest of them. It's like person doing the job and the sole thing is to do the job and get the job done, no matter what the cost. You get a little bit of humanity with Daniel Craig that you don't get with the rest of them, and it's a cold humanity. It's a cold kind of, I don't really like you, but I can see where you're coming from. I completely disagree, but you make a good point. And I, you know you know what I'm talking about? It's just kind of like, yeah. it's just, it's it's all there. It's what James Bond should have been had they had the technology and actors to do it at the time. So absolutely, I think Daniel Craig is is the best James Bond, and, it, and he's the newest one. I know that's blasphemy. Don't hate on me. That's just how I feel. <laughs> hate well, on you him. should agree. What do you think, Mr. Cack? Hate on him. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't really get too heavily invested in the argument of who's the best James Bond. I mean, I I like Sean Connery, but I thought I just like Sean Connery. I don't know if I like Sean Connery's James Bond. Um, I I will agree that Pierce Brosnan, like he should he should receive. Like he should receive kind of a, a a bigger heavy hand if you are if you are someone that grew up in the '90s, uh, because he essentially opened the door for us to see how cool James Bond was. Yes, some of our generation, you fell in love because you would watch the old Connery or Moore films. Totally understand that that's fine. Uh, but for a lot of us, the game 007 Goldeneye mm-hmm. on Nintendo 64. That made me think, well, this is really cool. Like, I I understood every character in GoldenEye, and I hadn't even seen the movie at the time. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. And, and then with Daniel Craig, I will say, out of all of the actors that are James Bond, Daniel Craig is the only one that shows that intensity that you know, okay, hey, this guy actually is going to kill us. Like, this guy's an actual trained killer. Like, we see the lover, we see the charisma in all James Bonds. But also, at the end of the day, he is a trained killer. Like, he is yeah. someone that has a license to kill. And Daniel Craig is the only one that has a switch that I can recall where you look in his eyes and you're like, oh, crap, this man is about to kill me. About to get, about to get murdered here. We just tried to smash his testicles in our casino. <laughs> now he's free. He's going to murder us. Um. Renee says, I still have that game and the Nintendo 64. Well, Renee, that makes you the awesome, like the the most coolest person in the world uh, because that is awesome. Uh, I did love that game. I'm excited. Uh, I would love to play that game again. And didn't you feel like you were king if you got the golden gun, didn't you? Yeah, I felt pretty awesome if I was odd job. (laughs) Because you had an unfair advantage. He's short, so you had to... You had to accommodate that. So that, you know, James Bond, I'm not big in the whole, we got to rank James Bond. Uh, I, I find much more comfort in ranking, like, Batmans. I feel like that's more of my comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because in James Bond, like, I don't know. There's so many. There's there's a lot of variables. There's, there. Yeah, there's differences to each Bond that appears, and that's why a popular theory is that the James Bond is just a 
is just a title or just like a mantle that gets passed along with each iteration. Because, I mean, none of these Bonds are really all that alike. The Batmans, you know, the reason it's easy to or easier for me to want to compare them is because each Batman is pretty similar in how they go. Yeah. Like, their voice might be different, their Bruce Wayne might be different, but the Batman yeah. itself is essentially the same character. Um, but yeah, uh, Renee says the Nintendo Switch has the N64 emulator thing, so maybe that will be available in the future. I read about, I read something about that, Renee, that seemed like it was going to be impossible, and it had something to do with who owned the rights to it, so I yeah, felt sure. like that was going to be a bit of an issue, because um, a lot of people, as soon as the Switch said they were bringing in 64 games, immediately started asking, GoldenEye, 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 <laughs> GoldenEye, GoldenEye, where is GoldenEye? And that's fair. I, Legit uh, questions. It's a very fair question because I would – there was something about going over to a friend's house, there being eight people deep, uh, and you taking turns with four people yeah. playing out on a small TV that could not accommodate the amount of cheating that was about to take place <laughs> as you have, tried to play GoldenEye on that. We didn't have big TVs in those days. And, and you would always – like there would always be that one controller that someone would get screwed over with screwed over with where the the thumbstick the little like uh joystick would be so like warped <laughs> yeah. that it just kind of laid to the side flaccid instead of being upright and maneuverable so you always had like this weird wrong angle that you couldn't hit at times uh but that's just that's just how it be man that's just how it be uh that's how it be so going on for bond so jared you still haven't seen peacemaker right I no, I haven't yet. Just because life has been hectic the last couple of weeks, I plan on watching it. Um, I love uh, the trailers, but uh, what we're about to talk about, from what I can tell in the trailers and what you and TJ have told me, um, it absolutely deserves a season two. So, Peacemaker apparently is the biggest show on the planet right now according to article headlines. And I think James Gunn said something like, you know, a billion people are watching it. But apparently this is the most popular show right now. How you measure that popularity, I didn't dig too deep into it. Nielsen ratings are just hoka. Nielsen ratings are the snake oil salesman propaganda of our time. Because the Nielsen rating is such an outdated, abstract... We live in 2022. There has to be a much easier, solid... Well, metric okay. for counting so, other than people getting up. Uh, well, on my box, I watched this and let me fill up my card and mail it into the Nielsen. Well, so Nielsen doesn't do that anymore. They, they call you and they can measure dynamics now or not dynamics. They can measure uh, metrics now um, through your TV, at least good. When I worked last, I heard because they had finally updated. Um, good. When I was at the two TV stations that I was with, that was the big thing is that a lot of our, um, a lot of our clients used Nielsen where we used, I don't even remember the name of it now. Um, we used a different one, <clears throat> basically the second popular because they did this, that Nielsen didn't do well. Nielsen decided they wanted to start doing that. And so we flipped over and could do both. So we had to do an average on this program because of a, lo a lot of our clients were like, Hey, we're basing ours off Nielsen ratings. You're basing yours off these ratings. It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. So Nielsen has, uh, they've definitely upgraded, <clears throat> and and not that they're bad because Nielsen now, but it's still based on an average, uh, which is tricky because it's a niche average. And even though you can break it down by demographic, household, um, age group, male, female, even down, I mean, you can break it down all the way to like um, household income and um, 
all this is on there. So uh, I, I trust them now more than I did um, because I know how they they rate their stuff now and, you know, how they how they average those scores out. I was under the I didn't know <clears throat> I didn't know they could do it streaming, though. And, and of course, I've been out of the game for a couple of years now and back in the hardware business. But uh, I, I didn't know how they averaged and uh, recorded that digitally. So that's something that I might uh, see if I can reach out to former coworkers and figure out how they're doing that for a chat some other time. I'm used to my camera being over here. So automatically when I look up, I'm looking right there and it's not there anymore. It's there. Mm -hmm. that's and cool. I can see the damn camera. That's the weirdest thing. It's like I know it's right there, <laughs> but I automatically look up to there. And it's not there anymore. So uh, old habits die hard. So Parrot Analytics uh, has stated that uh, that Peacemaker it was sixty nine point five times more in demand than the average series. That sounds like an impressive number. Um, but I mean, listen, one, it shouldn't be too surprising. There was a day in our time, you know, younger people, you may not remember this, when HBO was the king of creating mm -hmm. series television if you wanted the prime television it wasn't coming on cbs that was you know campy fun i mean there was campy fun on there your your csi or your ncis but like if you wanted a legit series a band of brothers you went to hbo you know or showtime showtime started to pick up a little bit steam too uh, I think Dexter really knocked the the yeah. Showtime the Showtime reign in there of creating this, but HBO is always known for creating these series that have heft weight impact, and because it's something that you had to go out a premium channel that you had to go out and buy, they could do it because they could have you know a little bit more looseness with their rating scale. Sure, in, I'm sure CSI would love to go pretty hard R, uh, and they came pretty close when Quentin Tarantino directed an episode. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, hey, this is there. So uh, it was also what your parents didn't allow you to watch after dark. Well, that's yeah, true. because that's where you find <clears throat> out about real sex. But <laughs> to, to that point, real quick, I will say this. And back in the day, you kids who don't know what analog signal is, um, so basically all they did, you had a box outside your house, and you still got this box, even though there's no analog signal going to it for the most part. Um, but really, the HBO, Cinemax, and Showtime guys, all they did was come open that box and unscrew something or screw something. I think there was like a plug basically. But anyways, because of that, it didn't like direct TV or uh, whatever you're watching digitally now. Um, what's the other one? Dish. If you go to a channel that you don't have purchased, say I looked at my camera again. If you go to a channel mm -hmm. that you don't have purchased, it's like, sorry, don't go to it, mate. But back in the day when it was analog cable, you could still go to that channel. And it was fuzzy and staticky into that. But every once in a while, when not a lot of people were watching, like late at night on Friday or Saturday at two or three in the morning, sometimes it came in clear as day. <laughs> and all you had to do was mute. All you had to do was mute. Nobody's <laughs> going to know you're That's all you had to do was mute. Put, put, like, a, pillow, put, put a pillow on your door so that way the light isn't shining through <laughs> at the base of the door. And the old, the old tube TVs, too, like... Well, and even some now, like I think my, my TV still does it. Like you, you couldn't mute. You had to turn the volume all the way down because if you muted, you'd get the little micro, the little, you know, the, 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 the little static the megaphone thing with the, with the little megaphone with the line through it that would just oh. float around the screen. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> couldn't mute. Couldn't yeah. mute, man. It might've gotten the way. Not that I ever did that. Yeah. <laughs> dad, dad, dad. <laughs> uh, 
also the the popularity listen i think there are a multitude of reasons why peacemaker is uh, popular but i'm not going to go too deep into it because jared hasn't seen it and maybe you yourself haven't seen it it's on hbo max i know a lot of people are getting really exhausted with how many streamers they have to cycle through to see all of the good stuff out of out there but i would encourage you to watch peacemaker if you have hbo max and are not currently using it to watch peacemaker or if there ever comes a time when some kind of discount uh, is available for you to get hbo max pop it in there watch peacemaker uh wait till i guess after the series has ran its course because there's still four more episodes left but the fact that we're halfway through the season and people are talking about this show uh in such the magnitude they are is pretty impressive and for me it's a good sign that we're finally getting to a point of maybe we'll be back to normal with things because everything's yeah. been mired with the well production was delayed covid has struck or we didn't get to finish this. The person has died. Like, there's been such, like, rough shit trying I, I, to get through the last two years. I laugh, but isn't that, hasn't that been the case? It's like, well, sorry, we can't finish this because they died. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. You're just kind of like, excuse uh, me? Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty rough. And, and, like, there's so many things getting stopped. And, like, there's still current stuff getting stopped. There's still stuff in production. Um, But reading this article and finding out, like, uh, Peacemaker series was spawned because James Gunn was losing his mind during the height of the quarantine era. He's like, I had to make something to take my mind off everything. So he created Peacemaker, uh, which now has me questioning James Gunn's mental health to a whole <laughs> new degree. Um, but like, listen, if you like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or shows like that, that show like kind of the awfulness of people but still might show a little bit of heart, then you're going to love Peacemaker because Peacemaker is full of awful people that might show you a little bit of heart. Like, you feel bad for him. And for as goofy, like, it is a comedy. And for how much goofy fun there is, there's actually some, like, legitimate moments of, like, oh, dang, like, this is just a broken person. Like, past all the bullshit, the bravado, uh, the, the, the things said or the guns used, like, there's just a person that had a very bad upbringing, which... Now, not saying I had a very bad upbringing, but the whole, like, processing trauma and how it just kind of screws people up, like, that's a pretty relatable subject for a lot of people when you look past the fact that he thinks he's a superhero, he wears a costume. Sure. He's also just a person dealing with hardships of a bad relationship with his parents, a bad relationship with his father, a bad relationship with his sibling you know just life also kind of casting him in a light because of how he was raised and who he was raised by I'm like there's all these things where it's like someone can find a piece of that and be like hey you know that does suck like <laughs> but yeah it, but it's also fun it's just goofy fun uh there's chainsaws people blowing up bugs uh, a gorilla like there's so many weird things that just trying to explain it right now would make no sense to people other than you should go watch it and I still say if you can watch the opening credits music number, <laughs> you can make it through the series. Well, if you watch that and you're like, I kind of want to know more about this, then you should watch Peacemaker. If you watch that opening thing, you're like, this is dumb. Hey, you probably won't like Peacemaker. You <laughs> prude. You prude. You don't you like peace. Prude. But another thing about this news is that James Gunn, and I put leverage in our script. I don't think it's that <laughs> potentially like hostile in his uh, take away from it. But James Gunn is planning or hoping to use the success of Peacemaker to not only do a season two of Peacemaker, but to add a new spinoff series following another one of the Suicide Squad members that he introduced 
in his sequel-ish to the the uh, David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Uh, so I I'm interested in that because once you say that he wants to do another spinoff, the immediate takeaway is okay. He wants it to be more serious, or he wants it to be a different tone than what Peacemaker is, which is this fun goofiness. So that eliminates every character that was portrayed in a joking fashion. Weasel, uh, uh, arm fall off man. So it essentially <laughs> narrowed it down to um, Bloodsport, which was Idris Elba's character, or Harlequin, which was Margot Robbie's character. Margot's already had her own kind of spinoff, so the assumption would be, all right, this is going to be Idris Elba going wild. Or the dark horse in this, what if Will Smith's character from the David Ayers cut, his uh, Deadshot gets his own series? I'd love to see a Will Smith-led series because Will Smith's a good actor. And he hadn't done one since Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. He's been in just movies. Yeah, So, so that would be fun. So would you be interested in a, in a suicide, another suicide spinoff of, of James Gunn's design? I, at this point in time, I... As soon as you attach James Gunn's name to it, I'm like, yeah, you should do it. Well, uh, okay, so, and again, I'm a bad nerd. I haven't watched any of the Suicide <laughs> Squads, but, um, and, and uh, if you've watched before, part part of that is, like, I think Harley Quinn is annoying. Not Margot Robbie, or just her character. It just annoys me. Um, so that's part of the reason I haven't watched I'm like, uh I'm going to have to watch it because there's a lot of things that are there. Just like I've got to catch up on X-Men and a lot of other Marvel things. Shocker, or wait, spoiler alert, not a super huge Marvel fan. Um, all right, well, I am. I'm just, it's everything's overdone. Um, so I need to catch up on this. But, hey, I'm always willing for a new good story. Um, some, And that's one of the good things about uh, Marvel and DC is you got so many characters that you can make a spinoff. Question is, can you make it good? Can you make it entertaining? And will it sell? Because that's the number one thing. Is it going to sell? I can write a story about a ham sandwich with a cape on and make it totally hilarious. Is it going to sell? Probably not. Maybe. Um, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I'm not. Uh, or I might. But uh, no, so I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm always interested to see uh, new things and which, which they're going to bring out new things. There's just something about the Suicide Squad, and again, Harley Quinn's character is just like it gets on my nerves. Um, I know that's petty, but it just it just does, and like that's what's I don't know. I just need to watch them, and I just I need to I need to suck it up, Mister Cack. I need to suck it up, Mister Cack. Have my moment of rage, and just and just sit down and watch them, and I probably will like them. I don't know. Moment of rage. Uh, Renee says Harley Quinn can be annoying if she is written that way. Uh, I'm going to wait for that story now. Sounds like a good TikTok series. There you go. <laughs> Hang there on. Let me write it down before I forget it. There you Ham go. Sando. Uh, so superhero. We've now reached the the precipice. Uh, Wonder Bread. You could Wonder Bread could sponsor you. There you go. You get sponsorship ideas too. All right. Cool. So we've reached the precipice of this. If it's a Star Wars property, I want John Favreau and Dave Filoni <laughs> at the helm of it. I don't yes. want anyone else. Uh, maybe, maybe Bryce. Um, oh gosh, Bryce Dallas Hart, uh, Howard. Uh, yes, because she recently did uh, one of the episodes for the Book of Boba Fett, and she's done some episodes of The Mandalorian, uh, and people love her. So people are now actually petitioning, and I forgot to put this in as one of our headlines, but people are actually uh, clamoring. There's there is a groundswell of support for. Maybe Bryce Dallas Har Howard gets a shot at, you know, they want a trilogy. I say let's first go with a movie. Yeah, let's try it. Let's test the water. Dip your toes in. Go with I a movie, like, like a Rogue One type uh, yeah. one-off. And, hey, if that blows up, 
give her the keys to whatever castle you want, Disney, uh, and she, let her go with that. She has always. Oh, so Renee, don't don't mute. I'm not going to spoil anything for it because I know Jared hasn't either. No, I haven't uh, either. I haven't either. Yeah. Um, but you got you got me wanting to see it with Bryce Dallas Howard. So Bryce has a very interesting way in whatever role she plays, whether it's in Jurassic Park. Or uh, the, 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 the what's that that one M Night Shyamalan movie that nobody liked that I did? Uh, Lady in the Lake. Oh, Village, Village. I was yes. gonna say Lady in the Lake. That's Lady the one the I don't like. Nope, nobody liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> nope. The people in that movie didn't like that one. I didn't uh, like Lady in the Lake. It was okay. It was all right. It's not his best work. Uh, but anyways, Bryce has a way of like I don't know. She's so good at what she does. Like she can pull a complete 180 in, in a movie and, and go from making you love her character to hate her character, to love her character again. She's just so, and, and, and it's never too exciting. It's, it's very gentle. It's very passionate. Um, or not maybe passionate. It's not the right word, but it's, um, gosh, whatever she's doing, she does it with <laughs> vigor. What, you know, what, like whatever that scene, it Renee says he me. ruined avatar. He is no longer my friend. <laughs> 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 who me i ruined avatar someone renee did. renee did i ruin avatar for you i probably did i've never know, said anything about avatar so well, it wasn't it was, me it was it was the one thing it was the one thing that set it off for me and i had a moment of rage and that was the word unobtainium it's like <laughs> all right i get it you're trying to make a point oh she said uh Sham oh so she's talking oh, about okay. she's talking about avatar the last airbender, last airbender. in whatever yeah. monstrosity M. Night Shyamalan came up with, which, okay. yes, yes, a lot of people, so maybe that's the worst one, maybe yeah, that's the worst right, one. That's fair. That's Apologies fair. to Lady in the Lake, sorry, we forgot sorry. that Avatar, sorry Lady in the Lake, The Last Airbender was one of his ones. And hey, you know what, I mean, okay, listen, nobody's ever gonna bat a thousand, Knight's a good writer, and he's an even yeah. better director, but just like an assembly line, I mean, you're gonna shit a brick every once in a while, it's just gonna happen, um, I, for the long time, like Unbroken, one of the very first movies that I saw with him, I hated it. Not because it wasn't good. Unbreakable, yeah. Unbroken. Unbroken. <laughs> was the prequel to Unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Unbreakable. Um, go Google it if you haven't seen it. Uh, but uh, like I, I didn't like the movie. Not because it wasn't a good movie. It was just boring as F, man. Okay, and okay. I, I just, and, but then like, it was like, that's, that's what Knight does. He, he can, he can lull you to sleep or get you excited with his words and his dialogue. He's an excellent writer. So, um, I'm willing to give anything he does a shot because I know it's 99.9% .9 chance. It's going to be freaking fantastic. We did miss out on a few. Um, and I don't think that was his fault too. I think a lot of it was acting certain yeah, people. I won't her. say which one, but I will say it involves, um, one of the Wahlbergs and the phrase, what? No, <laughs> me and TJ mercifully make fun of that. But anyways, there's my take on M. Night oh, Shyamalan. Marky Mark and his funky bunch. He man. was fun. I now have a TikTok to send you Jared Cagle. Oh nice. boy. Nice. Oh boy. But <laughs> like, so the tangent that spun from was the fact that like the precipice is this. We, we, we have Star Wars that should be helmed by John Favreau, <laughs> Dave Filoni, and I guess, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, hey, that's reasonable. I've, I've liked the episodes that she's been attached to. Uh, and then if it's comic book, it needs to be James Gunn. 
Ooh, yeah. It needs to be James Gunn. Listen, James Gunn took a property that had, and I said this last week, or I said this maybe on Monday, James Gunn took a literal franchise that had a walking tree that knows three words and a raccoon and made that an emotional story that I was invested in. He's now taken a story with a guy that looks like he's wearing a toilet seat on top of his head, peace, Peacemaker, a talking <laughs> shark voiced by Sylvester Stallone, and and a literal giant weasel called Weasel, and made that a story that I was somewhat invested in. <laughs> like, I I don't know. Like you, I mean, like not all of James Gunn stuff is perfect, but I've loved a lot of what James Gunn has done. I know a lot of people. Brightburn, which was his take on an evil Superman, uh, that one maybe you know some people like didn't like. Um, but Slither, the very first movie I remember seeing of his. I love that was Slither. A weird movie. I love Slither. I love good. all the actors in it too. Uh, really good leads for each spot in that. But indeed. But you know, like, hey, Guardians of the Galaxy, great. Uh, Belko Experiment. I don't know if people went and saw that as much as I hoped they would. But I actually liked Belko Experiment. I thought that was a pretty good one. And then, you know, they made a movie that seemed very Belko Experiment not too late after that called The Escape Room, which <laughs> I felt very similar to to the Belko Experiment. Oh, let's see. Oh, I forgot about Brightburn. Yeah, don't forget about Brightburn. <laughs> don't forget. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Jared, for joining me. Thank yes. you all so much. Uh, Maniacal Kitten and Renee. I've never seen them in the same spot at the same no, time. No, it's like um, Clark Kent and Superman, by yeah. God. But we appreciate the chatting with us. We yes, like having you. someone else there with us. We to always chat. like chatters. If you're watching us live, get into those chats with us. We like answering your questions. We like hearing your perspective. That's, you know, otherwise you force us to improvise. And we don't, I mean, we have a script to the point of like, let's talk about this. That's pretty much it. We throw it out. We start talking about it. You chat something and we go, oh, yes, of course. And that too, right? Yes, yes, let's talk about that. Yeah, and if you don't start chatting, we're going to really come up with an idea for an OnlyFans that shows our feet and butts. <laughs> and, I mean, that's just what's going to happen. Feet, butts, and uh, that's, uh, I mean, you heard it calves. here first. Calves. You heard it here first. If you don't just comment, calves. Yeah, if you don't comment and, and subscribe and smash ding easy like, we have no choice but to do a Rage Nerds OnlyFans. Don't make us do that. You don't want us to do that. But we, by God, will. A calendar of butt, calves, feet, and shins. <laughs> Like things that you probably don't want to see. Now I will say, I'm out of do it. <laughs> out of those options, I'm not very proud of most of those things. <laughs> but damn, if I can't make a good calf uh, flex. Oh you know? gosh, that's the one thing I've still got, man. I can still flex those calves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're about to you're about to see some weird shit if you all don't start chatting. <laughs> I, I I'm totally gonna make one now. <laughs> I think next episode, Jared has to go full British accent the whole show. I think Jared... Oh, shoot. Like next it. Friday or like for the sportscast? Because that could be weird. <laughs> yeah, don't do it for the sportscast. It's Tom Brady here. like, Gordon, gosh darn, he can't throw the ball anymore. <laughs> chip, chip, chip. Oh. Chip, chip, chip. Whip, whip. Uh, I think that would offend some of our colleagues from across the pond. But I don't care. I'll do it. Um and I change British accents, by the way. I do the one I just did, or I could do a more proper one and whatnot. We'll figure it out. We'll see how many drinks I have and how I feel. Well, yep. Or we'll show our calves and shins. Yep. All right. Yep. This has yep. been Rage. You you this has been Rage, you nerds. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. And still, at this time, we don't have an ending song, so it's just like I know it's my fault. It's like 
I know what I want, and I want it now. Get up, I come on, get down with the sickness, get up, come on, get down. Copyright infringement there. To chat with us, or I'm going to show you my butt, calves, shins, and feet. My butt, my calves, my shins. <laughs> Are you trying to do like the, my neck, my, my neck, my, my back, back. Yeah, 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 <laughs> lick was... my, um, my kitten, and my, and my crack. <laughs> well, that's enough. <laughs> and I like so you can't see it right now because you're not on on the screen. But it's just Batman <laughs> staring. <laughs> it's just an it's just a very grizzled Bruce Wayne. What the hell are you guys talking about? Are these boys saying they're gonna show their butts and calves? <laughs> Sometimes things just work out. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs>